Hello everybody, welcome to the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Vern Value. And we are 25-year Wall Street veterans who have had to go underground, take on secret identities, change our voices, in order to bring you our candid, unvarnished views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line Investment yeah, Only survey. our identities are disguised. You've seen our faces on TV, you've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unvarnished views on the air. So we disguise our voices. They wouldn't let any views on the air. This week, we look at the August 28, 2009 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey. But before we get to all that, a couple of important caveats. And uh, longtime listeners know that this show is for entertainment purposes only. That's what we're told we have to say. And it's true. And also, uh, we have many conflicts of interest. We may own these stocks, not own the stocks. Our wives have friends may that own, own the them. stocks. Our pets may own the stocks. We have friends that work at the company. I have a goldfish that owns some of these stocks this week. Um, and so, uh, and then finally, we may be completely uninformed. We're just kicked back after work. We're having a couple of adult beverages, and we're talking about stocks like we have for, it's now 30 years, by the way, Vern. Last week, you were trying to guess how many years. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, check all of our caveats, and there's bios, photos. Uh, I don't think there's, uh, what else is there? Really not nothing. www. Well, what else would you want besides a bio and a photo? I don't know. A coupon? I don't <laughs> Flashing know. Flashing <laughs> shiny we do, things? We do have an offer. If you fill out a survey, we do send you an autographed photo of Vern and I on holiday. So, you know, that's kind of fun. Um, and uh, so you could do that. Anyway, I'm going to be back at the back half of the show to talk about... Mm. Johnson & Johnson, three healthcare names this week. Johnson & Johnson, Kinetic Concepts, which I own, and Stryker, which I don't own, but uh, we had a, a write-in on Stryker uh, by Mr. David G. So we're appreciative of that. Uh, but first, with a lot of ado this week, Mr. Vern mm. V. Value. These Vern, are, these are excellent adult beverages. My pleasure. My wife wasn't here. I made these myself. We're and in my you, house And this you did week. a fine job. I don't have a cabin uh, like Vern, but we're in my uh, basement. That's my name. That's hopefully my name the, for where Hopefully we're the at. traffic noise won't be too bad. I don't think so. Uh, this is an interesting, uh, it's kind of an interesting mix of industries in this week's value line. We have medical supplies, auto and truck, precision instruments, and eastern electric utilities. So very, uh, well, what is that? Eccentric. Needs, not wants? What? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Uh, needs, not wants? No, I don't think precision instruments are needs, really. Not to you. Well, but to, to someone, you, I guess. Yeah, to but, someone. Um, the margins are high. Someone needs them. Well, long-time Clearly. listeners know we rarely talk about utilities. And these precision instruments, boy, you really kind of need to know something about uh, what you're buying because they, a lot of them are losing money and have negative cash flow right now. That's a danger. And, you know, are they off 30%, 50%, 60% on the top line? Is that good, bad, and different? I would check the really underlying market as it relates to share gain or loss relative to GDP and then look at that company's market share gain or loss within the industry. Yeah. That would be my thought. I looked at 2.6, but it was up like 10 or 15% from the value line price. And uh, Perk and Elmer looked kind of interesting. But anyway, so I ended up in, in medical supplies where we have this, yeah. you know, the, the demographic, demographic theme that we're going to talk about. However. Uh, but I did find an auto and truck name 
But, uh, I, I think I have a good thesis on I'll start with it because it's on page 109 and is the originator of the what? in-page you number again, order are, why are you uh, system. Why inventor of page well, I need order. to reclaim my association with this concept. You are fabricating that entire point of view. Um, Re- listen to all the shows. They're all online. This is PACAR. I think this is, it was the old... Pacific rail car manufacturing. I can't trust anything you say. After something that, like that. Uh, the symbol is PCAR. Value line rates at a four. Uh, closed today at thirty six seventy one. And so, this company makes um, value line says leading manufacturer of medium and heavy duty diesel trucks under the Kenworth, Peterbilt, Foden, and DAF nameplates. They have uh, overseas exposure. Doesn't say how much. But they have plants overseas, so they must have lots of sales over there. And um, this is uh, really best-in-class player in this space. Um, it has been a market share story really since the founding of the company. Um, and um, they even, even Value Line's underestimating the uh, cyclical earnings power here. What? What's their brand? Peterbilt, is that right? Kenworth and Peterbilt Kenworth are the two Peterbilt. big names, right. yeah, mm-hmm. right. And uh, one of them is, uh, I think, a high-spec product, and the other is uh, more mass-produced, you know, for line haul operation. That's the Peterbilt product. I see. And, um, uh, and so the theme here is that, uh, number one, the, uh, the, the market and value line, and we'll talk about that in a second, are underestimating uh, what can happen in a cycle at this company. And then second, as I mentioned before, here's an opportunity at a very attractive price to get involved with a best-in-class player in um, what is traditionally an early cycle industry, um, trucks used for you know to haul freight. And one of the reasons is that they actually wear out a lot quicker than you might realize. Most big fleets like to turn over their um, their trucks on uh, you know a three or four year basis because the costs simply get too high. Well, yeah, and it, it's a function of how many. I mean, they put hundreds of thousands of miles on these vehicles in a very short period of time. Um, so I, you know, I have a couple uh, things that I point out here in terms of uh, uh, what you know what might be able to happen here. You know, Value Line in this case has some sales history back to 1993. 93 would have been, you know, a, a year after the economy had turned up in the U.S. after the Just early 90s out. recession. Right. And at that time, Value Line had $9 a share in revenue. And in 1999, it peaked at 22.76, or uh, more than two times the, uh, um, the early cycle or trough level. I mean, the trough number might have even been lower. I don't know. Um, two Very years positive. later, two years later, sales down, looks like about a third to $15 a share. In 2006, they were $44 a share. Are we okay here? I don't know what's going on with that. <clears throat> I don't know what's going yeah, on with it either. Go ahead. But we're recording. So yeah, we must you know, be recording. We, we just Can don't you hear know. me? We Listeners, don't, we don't know where we are in the time-space continuum. What have you? 2001, $15 a share. 2006, $44 a share. Value Line expects that to be cut in half this year, 22. Uh, but they're looking for just $42 out in this 12 to 14, you know, uh, 2012 to 2014 kind of a yeah, yeah. period in the future. And they don't know exactly. You know, recent history would suggest that 
you know, that number probably ought to be at least $50. They're probably shooting for next peak, and they don't know when it is. Well, and they, they but I know I think they, they're trying not to hit the peak because they're worried that they'll be, you know, overestimating, you know, overpromising in effect. Um, the other thing that I notice is that uh, for the 10 years that they have of margin history, I can see that margins were in the mid-teens um, 10 years ago, more recently running pretty steadily 18, 19, close to 20 percent, uh, and uh, ex uh, expected to do that even in an environment where the top line apparently is going to be down uh, close to 50 percent. Now, you have to be careful here as you're reading about it in the text of the uh, little write-up here from the uh, value line analyst. They quote some numbers for revenue, like nearly $7 billion in 09, whereas the table clearly shows their forecast is $8 billion. The difference here is a captive finance sub. Yeah, Vern, if you come to a natural break point, I have a yeah, uh, go ahead. An interjection. What? Uh, you have two minutes less than it says there because of the uh, clock Because of issue. the... And I'll be right back. Well, maybe we'll just go. penalize your end of that, you know. Why? Why's that? Well, I... Okay, get back to the show. Okay, I'm back in the show. All right, I'm back in the show. Um, I also want to point out that uh, return on capital here uh, in any year except, you know, the total catastrophe that they're living with right now um, it has been, you know, very attractive double-digit numbers. You know, what's going on? Well, of course, with the massive economic contraction you've had globally and trade drying up, freight volumes have plunged. But Value Line says freight volumes plunging, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I think if you check the latest information from um, the uh, trucking sector, you'd see that it looks like um, freight demand might be starting to stabilize. Um, now, volumes are down huge, but uh, as we mentioned before, you know, fleets like to turn these trucks over with, uh, uh, you know, after three or four years. And if you look at the table of revenue of the company, you see it in 2005, 2006, this is when you were peaking cyclically you had 14 and 16 billion there's 30 billion of revenue in those Ooh, two years combined. i'm back by the way I, well i thank you Packer. um and uh, wow. there's really no indication in their near-term forecast that you should have a significant replacement cycle begin as soon as the economy stabilizes and uh, fleet operators think they have some visibility now the valuation anticipates a little of this already We've got a $13.3 billion equity market capitalization. I add $3.6 billion of debt. I subtract $2 billion of cash on the balance sheet. Just a little under $15 billion um, total enterprise value. 18% um, of $8 billion revenue forecast for 2009 is $1.44 billion. So I've got a multiple a little over 10 times. That but this expensive. is a catastrophically horrible cyclical low Very number bad day. Mm -hmm. so i you know a normalized number is going to be at least 50 percent bigger than that which would take this multiple <laughs> down to the sort of seven range six to seven probably on a normalized number um you know this ebitda number they, they have so here for is this down to be a good price their business needs to really come back well the question is you know levels. is it going to come back sometime in the next two to three years and given that amount of time, absolutely it's going to because all these trucks bought in 2005 and 2006 will be falling apart by that time. So uh, this isn't a question of whether it will work. It's just really a question of when it will work. Um, again, PCAR, best in class. like that idea a lot, actually. Now, I've got a couple mm. uh, medical uh, companies here. First one is Covidian is what it's called. But this is the old Tyco Healthcare. They changed the name of it in... Uh, 
2007 when Tyco was broken up into its various pieces. This piece uh, manufactures uh, medical devices and supplies, diagnostic imaging agents, pharmaceuticals, and other healthcare products. Uh, some of that is not uh, manufactured, it's distributed, but medical devices are about 70% of revenue. Pharmaceuticals, which are distributed, that's only 10% of the business. Medical supplies is 10%. So, uh, you know, there's a combination of uh, demographic growth here. And I think, again, uh, you know, an opportunity to do better than... Uh, um, uh, than uh, the, people think. Well, yeah, the analysis, okay. the numbers that are presented here by the value line analysts. Now, with the stock at thirty-eight eighty-seven today, we're a little less than ten times the gross cash flow number that the uh, value line analyst is forecasting. And I'm without going through the math, I calculate an enterprise value to EBITDA multiple a little under eight, about seven point seven times. Um, so I have an opportunity to. Uh, uh, get into a uh, very, uh, you know, a uh, very steady business with uh, very attractive uh, underlying growth drivers. Operating margins in in, in this uh, portfolio businesses is in the mid twenties. Return That's on total. I'll say that. Return on total capital around fifteen percent last several years. A little bit of cyclical sensitivity in earnings this year. Well, I guess they're going to be up. Uh, looks like about sixteen or eighteen percent. Uh, forecast to decline a little in 2010. It has to some of it has to do with an unusual fiscal year, but the value line analyst is forecasting uh, positive revenue comparisons beginning in the December quarter of this year. So, um, you know, the stocks underperformed relative to market in the last few months, and it looks to me like a really good opportunity to, you know, here's a name that would have been defensive has underperformed as you know more cyclically sensitive names have moved. And now is an opportunity to get it at a relatively attractive price. Uh, last one I've got, and I realize I'm, you know, kind of what have you? I'm very time relaxed. Burn, yeah, I'm take glad. All the I'm time glad to hear need. that. This one, uh, this one is Zoll Medical, um, and I like this one because not only does it have the demographic argument, but it really it's a play on the uh, all everything you've been hearing lately about obesity and its prevalence in, fact, Vern, in the I United say, States. For those Vern Value fans yeah. out there. You're at your best right now. You're really, you're really in a zone. You're really telling the people about these stocks. Just keep going. I'm just going to relax. The coolest thing about this company, though, is that you know it begins with the letter Z. Um, you know, because as longtime listeners know, I'm very sensitive to you know number patterns and letters of the alphabet oh, yeah. and, okay. and ticker symbols. It's getting and, less uh, interesting now. Voodoo is also, I think, I've never heard can you be get useful. Into voodoo. Anyway, this stock, know, 1842. Uh, they design and manufacture non-invasive resuscitation devices um, and software solutions worldwide for hospitals, EMS, and public safety markets. Products include pacing, defibrillation, circulation, ventilation, and fluid resuscitation devices to help treat victims of trauma and sudden cardiac arrest, which apparently is a very specific medical condition. And, uh, I, you know, if you're not familiar with this company, they make some really cool products. They have a product out that they, they bought, made a small acquisition. They're blasting through their distribution something called the Life Vest. This hmm. is uh, basically a wearable defibrillator. So if you're, if you're prone to a sudden cardiac arrest I'm getting one of those, you, definitely, You this have this weekend. thing hooked up to you. <laughs> <laughs> and if the condition that? starts, it gives you a major electric jolt. 
Next time I'm now, jet skiing, I'm putting that on. It's not clear to me on. whether you have to be horizontal <laughs> before it'll work or yeah, not. Like but uh, and they, I mean, but they make some other cool products. Like uh, I was looking at one of them is a, uh, it's actually a pump that in a in an emergency situation where you want to administer fluids, it can actually force the fluids into a person instead of just relying on gravity. So this one's about 11 times EBITDA, but similar story. This is EBITDA that's down 40 plus percent from the prior year. It's about one times revenue. Historical range, take a look at it. There's 15 years here, ranges from one to anywhere from two to four. So huge upside in this name. Would love to talk about it some more. <laughs> hey, get out of my hey, drink. I but, um, drank all mine. Uh, but I've used not only my time, but probably a That's little okay. bit of uh, vowels, and uh, you seem to have been quite comfortable over here. I'm very comfortable, and quite relaxed. Absolutely. So with that, yeah, I'm going to turn it over. Myself. You know, the, this Wizard of Wall Street doesn't need any more than oh, about ten minutes to right. cover his three. Well, names, I so. because I, you know, what I like brevity. Mm-hmm. Let me just say, there's value in that. I enjoy there are a that. lot of selling points in uh, each of yeah, mine. Too many, frankly, on your stuff. Okay, okay. Three uh, ideas this week. Values three. Solid value ideas this week. Now, uh, many of you know I'm a needs not once kind of a guy. A few weeks ago, I sort of said, at least from an opportunity point of view, it's wants not needs because a lot of the needs had moved and uh, the recovery seems to be underway, and we've been saying that for a while. This week, when I look through the index, I just, you know, precision instruments, uh, I've, I've covered a lot of that in the past. You can dial us up by ticker if you pull our XML code into Internet Explorer. So we have, and Vern's covered a bunch of these too, auto and truck. I'm not convinced that this industry, there's so much overcapacity now. Who knows, right? Electric utilities, uh, carbon, you know, they could all be really in trouble. And then a big investment in the smart grid, whatever that means. So who knows, you know, and they're expensive mostly. So then I'm left with medical supplies, which are under pressure because, of course, um, cutting back the... uh, Costs in medical care means making all these companies take less for, <laughs> less everything. for everything. I mean, it's that simple as that. Yeah. What we need in healthcare, we have a supply curve. So there's information in the marketplace about how much things cost, and if you get more of it, it costs more um, because the suppliers know full well what their prices are. That's they have computers and things like that to track that. Consumers don't have a demand curve in healthcare. They can't. They can't study price, they can't research it, and they can't research quality. And when you take the demand curve out of the equation, you don't have the natural economic force that's going to cause competition to improve the product while reducing the price. And that's happened in every consumer market you can name where the government has not imposed regulation of the type they're proposing. So uh, Val Hughes's proposal is... Create a free market for healthcare. Put information out there so people, consumers, can look at pricing. Can if look they at would quality. just allow people to buy just plans to, across yeah, state lines. Yeah, that's also another great idea. You, Open the market up, don't oh close goodness. it down. Okay, anyway, I'm in medical products. I think a lot of this fear is in these stocks already. And I've got three ideas this week that are really cheap historically. There are some very positive long term demographic trends here. And I don't care who you are. Uh, healthcare expenses are going up, even with this cost control, just as a result of demographics. People choose to spend more of their income in the last years of their life because they want to prolong the quality of their lives. That just makes sense. Like when you're 21, you want to prolong the quality of your drinking. That makes sense. But when you're 70, you want to prolong the quality of just 
sitting in a chair and breathing. So, right. So it all makes sense. So I think that uh, we can count on this sector growing faster than GDP for a while because of consumer choices. First up, Johnson and Johnson, page two hundred five. And uh, Johnson and Johnson is, of course, everyone knows that they're a big, you know, manufacturer and marketer of all kinds of healthcare. Unlike a lot of pharma companies, they're about forty percent pharma, which means prescription drugs that they have patents on that are prescribed by doctors. But then they have a medical products business and a consumer business to sort of diversify the healthcare among all margin classes. So, in fact, if forced. In, if forced to cut prices, that's probably not going to be on the Tylenol. You know, that's already like just six bucks, so no one's going after that. But perhaps on some of their expensive drugs with 70% gross margins, that might be a target. So uh, they've already mitigated some of the risk. They put up 30% uh, operating margins, which is well below that of Pfizer or Merck that, you know, has, I think, maybe 35 40% operating margins. I'm not sure. Um, because of this consumer mix. They're priced right now at a price that's pretty rare. They're a 20% discount to the market PE, which is one metric. And value line, the reason I cite it is because that's one of the few valuation metrics value line gives. They've got this relative PE number going back. And they should do more than that. But if you look back, 82% of the market PE is pretty well low. Well, but it's pretty that. easy to get a price-sales relationship Yeah, but i got to work stuff out. I don't have a calculator, etc. What we have discovered, thanks to a value line analyst recently, we'd been surmising that operating margin times sales was EBITDA and that they pulled depreciation out afterwards. That turns out to be correct. So we can calculate an enterprise value to EBITDA by looking at the market cap, uh, add the debt, subtract the cash. These guys have a ton of cash, 7 bucks a share on a $60 price, uh, that sounds like a lot. They have just that much debt also. So they're basically net debt-free, a market cap of $165 billion, and it looks like operating uh, income is $20 billion. That's eight times. I'm going to look at that as an inverse, one over eight. That's 12.5% uh, cash on cash return, meaning if I bought the company, I'd get 12.5% return. Better than a 3% yield. Yeah, they too. pay you 3% of that, but as owners, of course, you, you're earning the other in the improvement in value. Their return on capital going way back is in the 20s. That says they're doing something right. The operating margin tells you there's a lot of proprietary product. And the valuation right now, in my opinion, is based on the fear that you know, all these guys are going to get hammered in the marketplace, and I just suggest that that fear is going to pass. They might get hammered, but the hammer effect is going to be outweighed by the demographic effect in years of growing faster than GDP, um, which will be realized down the road. So Johnson & Johnson, uh, page 205. There's a couple insider buys here recently, and... Uh, you know, I think it's probably a 20% grower. Okay, next up. I've talked about this a lot, so you can look this up and index it and find it. Kinetic Concepts, KCI. I own it. I've recommended it when it was at a 5 in value line. They've moved it to a 1. These guys have some wound therapy products. So they have a thing called the VAC, which puts a, a reverse pressure onto a puncture wound or a diabetes wound, and it promotes faster healing, which means back to work faster, out of the hospital faster. All this means cost savings. So insurance companies like that, and under any form of health care, lower cost is going to be better, and getting people back to productive work is better. In-game market share. 
and they're gaining well they're ex involving a market their care has become the blue standard we did a lot of checking in the shop with uh, teaching hospitals and uh, only about 50 percent of this market is being reached with this approach and so there's still room to expand into just the standard of care in many hospitals around the world the stock's been under pressure it's nine times earnings because smith and nephews in there with a competing product and they've been in legal battles and all that. I say they're winning more than they're losing, but Smith & Nephew is coming in. And so what? There's two companies. You know, in knees and hips, there's four companies. And so uh, they have pretty good margins. They put up a 14% return on capital, 25% return on equity. It's six times EBITDA, which to me says 16% cash-on-cash return. Uh, Value Line says an 8% growth rate. I think that's low unless they are you know getting forced price reductions which i'm not sure is going to happen a uh, 40% discount to the market pe 6 times ebitda great balance sheet no debt look it up page 206 kinetic concepts finally striker uh this is also uh this is a stock that was written in by uh David G. He also talked about Woodward Governor, which I own but don't like right now, just as an aside, David. But Stryker I like. 226 is the page number. They do orthopedics, hips and knees. Um, they go up against Zimmer. They've been winning market share, looking at the quick, you know, back of the envelope. They've been gaining sales faster than Zimmer. They've got a margin that's 30%. It's lower than Zimmer, so Zimmer's in the way of any sort of price cuts before Stryker is. They're twice the size of Zimmer. They put up an 18% return on capital, absolutely no debt. Six and a half times EBITDA, that's some type of, uh, you know, 18% return on our cash. And, uh, you know, they're going to grow, according to Value Line, earnings at, 20, at 12%. So if I take cash on cash return plus 12%, you know, I'm up in the mid-20s on a return basis, and I think at a multiple like this. this is the cheapest you've ever been able to buy striker well, the market's betting they're not going to be able to sustain that kind of profitability well i really think that one of the things that people are going to insist on in the future is if you have a device that can help me walk i want it okay and also when you deliver an expensive striker device it's wrapped up in doctor's fees and no one's going after doctors they've been pushing back striker has a product there is some margin contraction here i suspect will happen uh, but you know they're wrapped up with doctors procedures and doctors fees and we've seen that the doctors you know in this situation are pushing back i think they're going to be fine stock price already reflects the risk striker um and i haven't i've done a little less work this week than i'd hope to what else do i have here they've got a fair amount of cash eight bucks a share on a 40 dollars stock price um no i liked it too we had an argument about who was going. you know one thing here is their r&d spending uh, well, their cash flows is great. Their uh, depreciation is a hundred million more than their uh, capital spending, and I like that. So they've got some consistent cash flow. R and D spending here has been down this year, but for years they have been spending, um, let's see, six percent of sales. So in effect, I could add that back. It's discretionary, and I've got an even higher uh, return no, it's on not cash. Entirely so discretionary. But, uh, so well, what's your favorite idea? Anyway, my favorite this week is probably. Uh, why don't you go first? I'm going to go with Packar, PCAR, the uh, early cycle truck play. I like Kinetic. I think I've made that my favorite in the past. So this week I'm going to say Johnson and Johnson, JNJ, page two hundred five, and that's uh, oh, how he is. What page is Packar? I don't know. Bye, everyone. <laughs>